Hello there everyone and welcome back to episode 3 of season 3 for Psyched to be with you. This episode is an absolute cracker where I sit down with my uh, friend, colleague, pal, shenanigans, crew member, um, Beth Thomas. Uh, It's going to be an absolutely great one. Beth is a fellow PhD researcher in GTA at Edge Hill University, uh, and Beth is also studying video games, most specifically looking at gender and gamer identity. In the episode, we chat about all things about like the academic path, research, video games, and teaching. We also consider what it means to be a gamer and how we could even figure that out. All that and much, much more. Beth is a fantastic, funny person and highlights her passion for research and education. This episode is her premiere podcast appearance and you heard it here first, this will be far from her last. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Here's the episode. Hello there everyone and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Psyched to be with you with me your host Christopher Leach aka Chimp195. We're back. It's This is the first episode for Timey Wimey Reasons that is actually being recorded in 2023. So it's fresh for the, the show itself. The other two, yes, I'm that. I, I pre-produced that far in advance. Uh, I'm very excited. Today's guest is making their podcastoral, if that's a word, debut. So I'm thrilled to be sharing the stage with them and giving them this opportunity. Uh, someone I'm privileged to call a great friend and someone whose name that I am sure you'll be hearing a lot more of in the academic, the gaming world in the next couple of years. Um, never miss a chance to uh, really spotlight this person when possible, so I know I had to have them on the show uh, once we knew we were going into season three. Uh, with, without without any more aplomb or any more sort of butt kissing, I shall pass over to <laughs> you, my uh, special guest, to introduce yourself. Please tell us who you are and what you do. Hello, as you know, Chris, um, I'm Beth. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. It is my podcast debut, um, which is terrifying, but also fab. I can't believe you've actually allowed me to come on and ramble for however long. Um, so I apologise for anyone that will listen to this, that you have to listen to me ram- um, or ramble for however long. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Beth. I'm also a PhD. I'm a PhD student, much like Chris, over at Edge Hill. Um, I like to say I am his his protege. The word? Am I your protege? I mean, so, when we're bo- when we're both students, I'm not sure quite how that works. But like, well, you are ahead of me, so we like to think that you opened the door, um, and I then followed very far behind. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm over at Edge Hill. I'm in the video game sphere. I'm definitely not nowhere near your level of expertise. Um, but I put myself there, so there I am. Um, I we're, am we're seconds in... into the episode, and we've already had several self-deprecating put-downs and, and like, <laughs> mispositions on your own expertise. You know this is your episode, right? There's no one else on it. I told like, you, be, relatable PhD be... queen. <laughs> Highlight to everyone how amazing you are, how amazing I know you are. Like, that's the point. <laughs> Humility, okay. humility, um, listeners. She, you know, okay. Beth has got it in abundance. Okay. Um, yes, I'm a second year now, but I like to remind myself that I've only just started my second year rather than that I've got two years under my belt, um, which I think is very scary. I've only just become a second year, so I still know nothing and I'm learning everything as per. 
I am working with Dr Linda Kay, of course, as Chris is, who is amazing or inspiring. I want to be her when I grow up. Um, <laughs> Previous guest on the show, check out season one. Well, yeah, just a throwback. Um, and with Dr Andy Levy, who puts up with me, I don't know how, and my craziness and my brain dumps that are probably far too much and my very long emails but that is just how my brain works um so yeah I'm looking at video games gender identity lots of fun things that are very fun to research but also very overwhelming to research there's a lot out there um and there's a lot of experts out there with research that is very good and interesting to read so then it you know imposter syndrome kicks in when you're citing people and you think about the fact that these people might then see what you're doing at some point and it's like please 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 go well <laughs> um I think that's everything that I can say as a quick introduction that is pretty much me summarized that that and like like myself you also did the teaching sort of side of things as well oh yeah yeah so I'm a GTA as well so I teach which is always fun um I have a lot of teachers in my family, um, so it's interesting. I've always said I would never teach, but then I teach higher education, whereas everyone else teaches primary schools. Um, but I do really enjoy teaching, you know. I mean, it's a completely separate topic, but higher education is not a great environment at the moment, but I, I have always wanted to go into the teaching side of higher education. Um, I've always wanted to do both research and teaching, so it's something that I'm I'm happy I do it and I learn more about myself through doing it. And I had a, also had like a GTA that we play that role at a chill. I had a GTA in my undergraduate who helped my journey to where I am today. So I hope that for someone I can give them that kind of experience, but probably not. I would also I like know, to point out for the sake of uh, record that I have vehemently and will continue to persuade Beth that uh, she may be better served over in the games industry, uh, doing research, doing more fun projects with myself as opposed to sacrificing oneself to higher education. Uh, not that your skills we'll wouldn't see. be thoroughly warranted and useful over there. I just think, you know, we could be having so much more fun over here in this horrible cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> but this one has safe, cookies. You know. <laughs> Ask that for future Beth, but not current Beth. Fair. So it it's great to have you on the show. Great to hear about your research. Um, I like to, you know, this is not, as I always say, that the method of this show is it's about, mm-hmm. well, why, not just what. Because we're very easy and very quick to define ourselves by what we're doing, right? Um, so right. a key part of that is going through journey. So can you take us through your sort of academic career journey? Because, you know, there's a lot to unpack with the research. I mean, gaming, gender, and identity, we, we, have a, we could have a four episodes just on that um of itself right especially with like you know the the wizard game and stuff that's coming out uh very oh, soon gosh. Don't um, get me at the time of recording because we're recording this again early because i'm a pro podcaster um so we we could have a whole four-part series on mm-hmm okay um so I I'll try not to throw back too much, but I actually got into psychology because of a fear. Um, so I were I've all I don't know why I was terrified of dogs when I was a lot younger. Um, like absolutely terrified. Would cross the road if there was a cute dog, um, walking on the same side a street, and then it got 
either like a cute a very cute dog I know I dog I would love um didn't matter size which breed of dog I would cross the road very swiftly to get away from said dog um despised them um to the point where it's obviously then quite dangerous crossing the road because of a dog um so went through cams um had that experience with cams kind of tackling that going through that um I now have a lovely dog called Freda who is my best friend um, my pride and joy little Fredwardo. um but oh, yeah so I actually got oh yeah fabulous jumper um I'll give no context to that <laughs> Um, Check back. Yeah, so that's, I, You'll find it. I'd, yes. I'd never done psychology before then. Um, I preferred drama and arts and everything that way and dance. I'm very creative and always wanted to do things like that. I was going to say that um, explains why you're so dramatic, but. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how you know your friends are someone when five minutes into the episode you're razzing them. <laughs> in, my, in my core. Um, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a drama girlie, I'm a theatre girlie. Um, so but I cannot sing so yeah always was in that kind of realm and then got very much interested in psychology from going through cams and kind of tackling that experience and then going through that can you just break down what cams is for listeners that don't know um I don't know what cams actually stands for um but it's like a UK based is it a charity or an organization for younger people it's to like go child to. and adolescent mental health services isn't it yes yeah um i think they do a lot of different things like they have a lot of different services through cams but mine was specifically kind of going through um a cbt kind of thing but for mm. a phobia um of dogs obviously which i think cams People have very different experiences depending on what service they've gone to. Um, mine was quite positive, I do have to say that, but I know it's very different based off what you go in for. But they do a lot of things with mental health um, in the UK. I think you have to be under 16, if I'm correct, to go. I can neither confirm nor deny that, but yeah, sounds about right. It's, it's um, aimed at younger people, right? Yeah, it's aimed at younger people. Um, and I got referred, I think you can get referred through schools or through like a doctor's. And I just did it through my doctor's and they kind of, sent me straight there um I don't I didn't really have a waiting list either actually which is quite surprising for cans I think there usually is but I got there quite fast so maybe I was in a service that wasn't really as as much needed as other services are and so I went through that kind of went through a progress of just generally talking to someone um about that experience and like what would happen and then breaking it down and then almost giving myself like homework and so it started with walking past a dog on the street um, and then tracking my feelings and then building up to sitting on the floor with a dog on the lead off the lead um luckily I had a lot of friends with dogs so it was quite handy that I could reach out to them exposure um, therapy at home folks yeah basically so I ended up um it became a who needs their dog walking I will come walk your dog for you um to then in being in my kind of final sessions and being at the point where now I don't know if they actually would have recommended this or whether this was Joanne my mum being very pushy and wanting a dog um but it then became okay maybe the final step is getting a dog um because then I will have one growing up and I'll have that experience and yeah so we ended up with Freddie so you um, you got a prescription for a dog for a dog yes exactly what a time to be alive what a time to be alive 
yeah and I'm thankful for that recommendation because I don't know what I would have done without Fred now um but yeah I did I got, I got prescribed a dog so here we are now um I went through that and I it's funny because that that's like before. that's like the classic like but have you tried going to the puppy room to cure all your mental health problems <laughs> I mean, yes, which is not a good endorsement for that, but yes. So nice. maybe if you're scared of dogs, but for other things, probably not. But if you're scared of dogs, maybe. Um, but that's how I got interested into kind of that, like, talking therapy side of it. Um, so I'd never done anything with psychology before. And then I got to finish my GCSEs, finished high school. And psychology was an option at the college where I went to. And I was like, you know what? I have a feeling that I am going to enjoy this subject and I genuinely couldn't tell you what it was um, but I just knew there was something that I would have enjoyed about it so I started A-Level Psychology um, learning kind of the core things that I learn at A-Level so the kind of core Pavlov's dogs ironically (laughs) (laughs) all the classical studies um, and not to sound cringe but just like kind of straight away fell in love with it and fell in love with the things that we learn about um and learning about behavior and people in this way um I don't know what it was but I just found it so interesting so did that continued it to my second year and I think very quickly within a couple of months I decided that this is this is what I want to do um and this is like this is where I want my future to be um and I'd always I'd always kind of been interested in teaching. So maybe that's where my like need for high, like going into higher education came. But I remember in my second year, we had a specific kind of topic where we looked at issues and debates in psychology. Um, and a key thing that stuck out to me was like the diversity of the theories that we'd been taught. And it was only then that I'd kind of realised that, yeah, there's not a lot of diversity. In <laughs> well, say, or rather the lack of. yeah the lack of um and when we found out that there were um kind of some people that we'd learned about that were female me and my brain kind of completely rewired and went I assumed they were all men like don't know why I just (laughs) did um and I was like I (laughs) I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot for saying this but we'll put it out there as a manifestation um I in that moment when I am going to go into psychology I am going to do research and I am going to be Dr. Thomas so that then when someone is in A-level psychology, and I know this will not happen, but someone in A-level psychology will learn something that I have done and then will find out that I am female. And that was like stuck in my head. Now, having been in it for a bit longer, I don't think, you know, I'm not ever going to make a core theory in psychology. So I've shifted away from that, but that was the, that was sure, the start. I mean, you know, there's, you say core theory, but, you know, let's let's be, I'm going to be slightly um, insular in relation to just the, the area, but also the podcast. But, like, you could, I, I said at the top of the episode, I see you joining the rank, you know, Doctors Coet, Dunlap, yeah, the prominent <laughs> video game sort of psychologist. Like, I, I see you amongst those in a few years. You'll be amongst that sort of like people reading scholarly game related things and going, yeah, I like that. Like, just gonna pretend you didn't say that. You gotta, you gotta, what is it your kids say now? Like manifest, like you know, manifest. We need to manifest. So by saying um, it, I'm bringing it into reality. Put it into the universe, please. Um, 
no well that's where it that genuinely was at one point I was like this this is what I'm gonna do um so then I went from college to um higher education and I went on as you do um in the UK kind of higher education system as a college student you tour different universities and things like that um and interestingly even though my experience kind of started with psychology from going to CAMS and going through the kind of therapy route um I never actually particularly found that area of interest um in a sense that I didn't ever find that as something I wanted to research um I think for a few reasons really but I find it absolutely fascinating but it's not the area that I then swayed towards so I started my undergraduate degree at the University of Chester which I absolutely loved I could not fall um and there were so many modules within that that were so widespread on so many different things that I just found it absolutely fascinating and I loved pretty much every area so I did a module on um music and art psychology which was just incredible um and had one of the best assessments I think I've ever done um and allowed me to still be creative um I won't go into that because I don't want to go on off off on a tangent can you tell us what the subject of the assignment was just to just a whistle. I picked you could either pick art or music um, and then it was something to do with something in the current like media uh, so I went down music and I was looking at two different songs two different artists same song Muse Nina Simone comparing the kind of response to that you have to them using psychological theory <clears throat> so very fascinating one of my favorite assessments I've ever done um haven't gone into that area of psychology but absolutely loved it then we looked at um, diversity and inclusion in psychology which was rather the lack of yeah of the lack of um and that was a really a module that kind of was my initial start of this is something I really really enjoy um this is something that I am particularly interested in and I remember we did kind of a debate issues and debates in the media at the time and I picked gendered clothing in schools and used like news articles and talked about things that had happened in schools where um, like male students were protesting the school uniform policy by wearing skirts. And I remember doing that. My mum still has that poster on her office wall, <laughs> which I love. Um, but did that and that kind of sparked that interest for me. That's when I really started to um, get into this is an area that I think I want to go into. Then I started my third year and we did, again, so many amazing modules, animal psychology. I got to go to Chester Zoo. Um, it was so good. Current issues and debates, lots of good stuff. Um, but I started my dissertation and with my dissertation, I remember um, it was a long process, but kind of going through, well, what do I want to get out of this? And a key thing was my research skills. And I said, I really want to do something on gender um, and stereotypes because that was just something that I'd really like focused on after doing that module in second year um and representation and something in that area um, but I really wanted to do something that could hone my research skills because I at that point knew that I wanted to do a master's in fact on my very first day in my first year with my personal tutor I said I am telling you now I have a 10-year plan I want to do a master's I, <laughs> I was waiting for my chance to ask about the 10-year plan let's go <laughs> Um, so I started that on my first day I said I want to do a master's I want to do a PhD um, and I want to 
be a lecturer and do research in psychology in higher education. Um, and and, so and uh, listeners, I... if you'd allow me to interject, listeners, it's worth pointing out that Beth being the trailblazer, the shooting star that she is, like, is is currently on for the 10-year plan. Because, you know, spoilers, everyone. But you did go, you literally went undergrad, master's, PhD, no break, I did. no rest, relaxation, no, 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 just bang, bang, bang. I had a month off. I had a we month off. That's month. the clip. That's the clip. I had a month off. I did. I had a month off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a 10-year plan and I said, look, for my dissertation, um, I just want to home in my research skills because I know I want to do a master's and I want to work with something that um, will give make me feel more confident in actually conducting research. Um, and we kind of got inspired by something that a previous student had did looking at spatial ability and STEM, so science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Um, and this idea that um, individuals that identify as female are generally underrepresented in particular areas of STEM um, and looking at the different kind of cognitive abilities that we have um, and any gender differences within those or lack of gender differences kind of as a stereotype that there is a gender difference. Well, again, relating to, to sort of like your work as a, a GTA teacher, like that is the kind of thing that undergraduates are told. There is a large research base that demonstrates a gender difference in spatial yeah. awareness. And the actual yeah. quality of that argument, see, please see, you know, replication crisis elsewhere on the internet. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are questions about that argument. Coming back to um, what's it got to do with cognitive and what's it got to do with experience and that kind of links in a little bit later on with where I am now so I'll try and pull back to that um but yeah I was like okay well stem spatial ability um and stereotypes we got into this idea of stereotype threats so I like to use the layperson example of if a female is told that she cannot drive does that make her a worse driver <laughs> um, and this idea that having a stereo being told that you are bad at something is that going to affect your performance so looking at, you know, if we set up this experiment of different stereotype threats um, for a range of different participants to see how it would affect them and to see whether their performance would be bolstered, is that the way you say that word? Yeah. Would their performance be better or worse depending on the nature of the stereotype threat and whether they were the target or whether they the one that kind of got the, oh yeah, I'm better than you in a way. Um, so we looked at that. It was very fun, um, but this is where the technology kind of comes into it. I didn't want to do the traditional tools that are used to assess spatial ability um, because they're very long and I don't particularly find them that fun. So we were looking into different ways that we can kind of update it and modernise it. And we spoke about video games and I was like, Mario Kart. <laughs> I want to do Mario Kart. <laughs> I don't know why I just had that in my head and then we were like okay well there's been nothing on Mario Kart as spatial ability so let's not do that um but there has been a little bit on Tetris and I was like okay I enjoy a bit of Tetris I I can recognize that link um I can argue that it's still fun um and hopefully it will kind of take that experience factor out in that most people you assume will have played Tetris at one point um if you ever in ICT in primary school, <laughs> played cool math games. Tetris was the one to go for. Um, so we settled on Tetris um, as kind of this way of assessing it that's more modern, um, which links in my 
start of the video game use, but not super obvious, not super central. It definitely came later on. Um, but that's, I think, where it started to get the spark came of this, you know, stereotypes, representation, STEM. Um, how can we have better representation of people in these domains that um, are just very much male dominated or are stereotypically male dominated? Because um, I think it depends on which area you look at. I think psychology gets included in science, but then if you actually look at it, there's a lot it depends more on who you females. Ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I went into my master's. This was COVID times, so I did it all online. So the University of Sheffield. Um, I did an MSc because I wasn't quite ready to go off and do a re like be on my own and do res research. So I did an MSc, um, looked at something completely separate because there was a little bit more limited options with what you could do for your dissertation. Still found it super interesting. Um, but the key part of that was um, we had a grant proposal assignment where you, you know, put out, this is a piece of research that I want to do. Um, please give me money for it. Obviously, we weren't going to get real money. <laughs> I remember doing that. Um, and this is going to link to a later question that I think you can, you're going to ask this. I'm going to save it for later not give any spoilers um but I remember doing that and I got feedback on it from um the lecturer and she said to me have you thought about doing a PhD and at that point I'd had conversations you whipped with my out family. a binder entitled 10-year plan I'm like well actually yeah, if you take the page 34 uh... <laughs> let me just add it under um well to be fair at that point um, I'd actually had conversations with my family about PhDs and that sort of thing. And uh, no one in my family's, uh, my mum's been to higher education and stuff before, but no one in my family has had experience doing a PhD. So we, there was kind of a lack of awareness of how it works and things like that and how you fund it and so on. Um, and I'd kind of come to the conclusion that I'd probably need to take a year out to do research, to get experience, because I don't know where it came from, but it was very much pushed to me that you won't get a PhD the first time you apply for one. So I think that really put me off um, and pushed me to feel like I wasn't good enough to do a PhD. Um, that really stuck in my head. So then to have which, that which meeting is with... In kind of, it's kind of ironic, really, because I think it, a lot of the time that really is the case just because like, it's so competitive. You are yeah. usually competing against people that have more experience it's like it's just like a you're unlikely oh, yeah. to get your first shot and then some yeah. people you know just like my guest just shoot the shot and get and smash it first time i think there was lots of factors that helped me then like it, it yeah it, I, I definitely as, as we say it doesn't matter how you get the ball in the back of the net just matters that it gets in the back of the net that's true that's true um but yeah i was dead set on taking a year out i wasn't gonna which would have been so interesting to think about now um because you would have been a Oh dear. Well, no, you would have finished. I mean, you anyway, finished in quotations. Um, but yeah, I planned on going into research, um, hopefully do, doing something, anything to give me experience. And then I had this meeting and she said, um, have you thought about it? And I said, I'll level with you. Yes, I wanted to do this. This is my 10 year plan. Um, but then I've had conversations and I just don't think it's in kind of my future maybe in a couple of years but not yet and she said why not like just go for it um I don't see why you couldn't and then kind of introduced the idea of um studentships and 
and being funded and having teaching roles and all the other options available to me because otherwise I would not have been able to afford it um, I know they have the loan now the government but even then I, I think I would have been put off from doing one and, and um, we can I both didn't... say definitively that the loan does not cover it on of itself like... no no um, <laughs> facts yeah um that is another thing but it definitely I I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have ever applied if it wasn't for kind of having the funding behind it. Um, it would have not been in my world of kind of, yeah. So I was like, okay, um, cool. Like, thanks. Um, that made me feel better. Like if you read this assignment and said that, that kind of, I don't know whether it was just nice it is or whether it was actually meant, but it really did kind of th- make me think maybe like my idea actually is worth something. Um, so I had that and then straight away, kind of the next day, I was looking at PhD options um, on findaphd.com. Woo! Um, and looking what's out there. Um, I found a couple that I was like, interesting, like this is really interesting. I like this area. Um, and then I found the one at Edge Hill. And I found out it was the kind of open one where you kind of go out your way to find a supervisor who has lots of different opportunities. Um, so I looked into that. Found uh, a psychology. As opposed to for like listeners' benefit, like you can also find like essentially job postings for a PhD yeah, topic yeah. that have they're just looking yeah. for someone to do it, uh, and they yeah, often so pay back a... on like a supervisor's funded research typically. Yeah, yeah. So there was an opportunity at Sheffield at the time, but it was in, again, like you said, it was like a job advert. It was, this is the research project. There might be some flexibility within that. Um, But the actual topic itself was kind of strict um, and there was nothing I was particularly keen on. At that point, I didn't have in mind, like I didn't in my brain at that point go, I want to do a PhD on video games and gender and so on, insert keywords here. but I knew I wanted to do it on something to do with gender and I knew I wanted it to do it in that kind of realm of diversity and representation and something there. Um, so even though that I feel like that's quite broad, it wasn't, there wasn't much. And where there were, there were things that held me back. So, um, for example, one of them was in London. Um, I didn't fancy moving to London. I mean, one of them London. was in Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> But then uh, one of them was in Edinburgh, but then it wasn't funded. So it was kind of lots of things that steered me away. Um, and then I found a chill and I went on to the psychology department. And um, as they still do, the kind of lecturers that are looking or seeking PhD students or have kind of space available will put out their general area of topic interest. And I can't remember the exact um, wording of it, but I saw Linda's and it said, Gender in stigmatised settings. And I was like, green flag, tick. Like, you speak in my language. Um, and then I, I think, it, I don't know whether it said digital games or video games, but it, I think it said the digital gaming domain. Um, and that was put out as an and or an or. And I saw that and went... Um, bang. Yeah, I kind of saw it and went, yeah, both. Both, um, and I remember emailing Linda and saying I'm super interested in both, and um, this is what I'm currently doing. Not quite related, but this is what I did as an undergraduate. This is what I'm interested in. Like, what do you think? Um, and then we had kind of correspondence back and forth. Linda was speaking to me about the areas she's found of particular interest, um, and kind of merged together this proposal. Um, and she was so helpful. 
and she had a meeting with me about it which she definitely didn't have to do because I was only like a prospective student I don't know whether that's standard but it was I already felt welcomed and very supported which I think really helped me then feel more confident in the process um so I applied put in this proposal I got really good feedback from Linda within my proposal straight away which again made me feel better it was like everyone was just just boosting my ego to apply and applied we had to go through the process of okay someone's going to look at it you might then be offered an interview um, with a panel where you have to kind of do a 10 minute presentation on your topic as if you were presenting it to students and then you'll kind of get questioned and then you know we'll hear back from you so I ended up with an interview date I went through that process um, I thought it went absolutely awful. I am ashamed to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, I cried after it. I do have um, a expectations versus reality picture of if anyone stalks my Twitter and goes all the way back, I posted a lovely (laughs) picture that I took before the interview and I was like nicely done and I was so happy and I posted that picture when I got the when I got offered the position um but in reality I have a picture from the night of the interview where I am red and puffy faced and crying <laughs> and I remember walking um with my partner to B&M and talking about the fact that I hadn't got it and um, it was awful I stumbled I didn't know what I was doing I sounded like just I had no clue um and I remember then going back to find a PhD and looking at other options and being like, oh, well, I could do this. I could do that. But then thinking, no, like if I don't get this, then I'll do something else. It, I don't know whether this is a good attitude to have, to be honest, and I wouldn't promote it. But I kind of had the attitude of if it's meant to be, it will be. Um, and if it's not, then I'll do something else. And it wasn't meant for me. I my reaction was completely absurd because I ended up with the role um, and then started. So I finished my master's in because I was stu- still doing my master's at this point, and I'd found out I'd got the PhD whilst I was still finishing my dissertation for my master's, which was kind of crazy. So I finished my master's in the August. I started at Ed Chill in October, so I had September as a lovely see all my friends before I start the PhD because I remember scrolling through academic Twitter and seeing people say make the most of your summer before you start your PhD because you won't get one so I put my entire summer into that month (laughs) Um, and then I started a chill in October I think it's funny because there we we've joked about it before but you know there are some uncanny parallels between my journey and yours right yeah initially sort of like picked up games as a dissertation topic at undergrad, looked at something completely different at master's, but was still attached to the idea. Uh, I went on that, I'm going to use finger quotes here, year out, it was several years, um, to gain research experience in the real world, quote unquote. Again, finger quotes, because real world, all these shenanigans. Um, And had numerous PhD rejections. I was actually the other end of the spectrum where I was like, right, this is the last one. I can't keep yeah. getting rejected on this. If this doesn't work, I think I might just have to go back to the drawing board. Um, mm. My experience was interviewing a week before the country shut down for COVID. Um, yeah. Also feeling like an absolutely blown interview. Um, yeah. I don't remember crying at that point, but I remember like going back. Liverpool got knocked out, knocked out the Champions League. COVID is becoming worse and having a very, very bad Wednesday. Um yes. And then they like things suddenly took an upswing, lol. Um, yeah. And having that gap of like 
Yes, we don't know if we're going to scrap the scheme this year or not. We're going to keep you on hold. We'll we'll yeah. get back in touch. Uh, yeah, just that sort of thing. So there's there's a gap there. Um, I remember the like the first time we technically met, quote unquote, digitally, was That's when I via... scared you. Well, well <laughs> technically before then it was via email because I remember speaking to you like in August and being like, oh, if you want to chat, if you want any thoughts, like let me know. And you're like, let me and finish Twitter. this dissertation and have a uh, like a summer. <laughs> And I was yes. like, fair, do that. Yeah, yeah. I did say, I had just so many, I don't know why, but the other day I went back through my Twitter feed. Don't ask me. I don't know why I did, but I went all the way back. Procrastination takes many forms. Yeah, I went back <laughs> to all the way when I first started kind of posting in that academic sphere on Twitter. Um, and I remember posting that. And I remember now it's so strange because I had so many replies to that from like yourself and then also um, Danny, throw back to that podcast episode. Um, See Danny Walker, Danny season one. Yeah, yeah, um, of Pete, like the GTA community, now past GTA community, um, of people at they've just They've and... just finished past the virus, they've not, nothing sinister. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> people responding saying like, hi, like, let me know, and I was kind of like, I was like, I love the support, but I need a month. So I was like, I'm sure I'll have questions, but right now I am in disbelief that it's even happening. So, yeah, it was just, it was very crazy that I then met a lot of people through Twitter, and then I am like, I've met you before, but where? And then I'm like, oh, you replied to my Twitter before I even started. Like, how strange. And then it was at the conference on, um, what's it? What's the Gather. Website? So so yes, the, the, we actually sort of first properly met, again, finger quote technically. But uh, we met at the IGGI conference during mm-hmm. um, 2021. It was yep. that, like September. It was online. It was on using Gather, like an online platform. Um, yeah. And, like, if you walk into someone's, like, the avatar's personal space, your video feeds would pop up. And I was just sat there, and next thing, someone just said, like, hiya. And I was like, Hi. <laughs> And we've had conversations about this before. I thought you hated me. <laughs> and I, if anyone else is watching my little avatar, I was going back and forth to see if you were AFK or not. And I was, like, <laughs> I was walking back and forth, and then I was like, it's weird if I don't say hi when I know that we're both here. What do I do? So I just walked over and I was like, hello. <laughs> and thus a beautiful friendship was born. It was a great first impression, though. <laughs> I love the idea of your avatar just like backtracking, like, tra- like trying to get into a random encounter. Honestly, I, I just looked like... like I didn't know where I was. I was just circling. I was like a shark. I was just... <laughs> I was like, just following you around. It's like, that is Chris. I have to say hi to Chris. Like, I need to form an alliance with Chris. Like, I need to ask him everything I need to ask. Because we joke, but you were, you are Linda's other student. Like, you are a year ahead of me. You are also looking at video games, obviously, in a different kind of realm. But it's almost like a perfect tick of of someone to ask questions. Um... So I was like, I can't miss out on this opportunity um, to seek advice while I can. We we subsequently formed the Game Studies Alliance, as we as we refer. Yes, that's true. Game, Game Studies, Studies Crew. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So that was great, and I think so. So this is a silly question, right? But indulge me. Like, how did you find making that? I suppose you're not necessarily the best position to sort of comment on it because you haven't finished the PhD. But how did you find that, like, direct linearity? Because the, the typical journey is there is a few years gap, at least mm-hmm. a year for most people. How? So, okay, frame it in a, in a fun way. 
in the ultimate <laughs> reality where you decided to just take a year out, what do you think that might have done? I don't know. I really don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I want to say it would have given me more experience, um, because I think we've we've spoke about this with the rest of the PGRs at psychology um, in the psychology department. I love them all. Um, it's very supportive. But I am like, I think I'm the youngest, um, and that does give me a sense of like. I mean, everyone has imposter syndrome as a PhD student. Like, it's just right. <laughs> We all have it. I'm absolutely not kind of putting anything on anyone else's experiences. But I think age, even on the teaching side, was an instant worry. So I think all it would have done was made me older. But I don't think that that would have made me any less kind of... And I think do I this is kind of a really good point for listeners' benefit, right? Because that linearity meant that, mm-hmm. you you know, you started at an age that was, was quite like young by comparison. Yeah. Right? You know, again, like, you know, a lot of people tend to hit PhDs, like, mid to late 20s, 30 yeah. plus, you know, because there isn't really yeah. any of them on PhDs. A lot of people do them older as well. No, no. Yeah. But, like, having gone straight from undergrad, master's, PhD, yeah. like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd have started, like, before you were 23? Yeah. Just I, I was, I, I turned 22 the day of the GTA induction, that was my birthday on the 1st of October, on the Saturday for that weekend induction, I turned 22 that day. And, and, like, off to and again, for context for listeners, like third years finishing their degree at 21, typically yeah. speaking. 18 to 21 yeah, is that typical yeah. undergraduate range. Yeah. So you really, like, I know there's the old joke that like you could walk around a campus and people wouldn't know if you were teaching or a student more yeah. so for yourself yeah yeah um what i do have to say though is that worry of mine um it's always there don't get me wrong um of the idea of like do i have enough experience to do this but i think this is a learning experience i also um, think let's let's also just be fair that like you 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 know you command a room you have a presence you don't have the same presence as like you know uh, a t- your typical student like you know who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it not every student has a 10-year plan right and that's, i think that, yeah that is, that is an energy that's going to carry when you enter a classroom i think i found that i was an anomaly in that sense um i very quickly realized that it's not normal as an 18 year old or even a 17 year old because i knew from college that i wanted to go and be a lecturer Uncommon, but let's not focus on normality we're not looking at 30 we're not doing we've not done any ks testing you know what i mean that's a stats joke for fans <laughs> <laughs> no i yeah i know what you I, yeah but i do have to say when i i had um i know we just mentioned danny but danny i spoke to danny when i first started i went and did a teaching observation for him um and I spoke about the fact that I felt very young um, and then found out that he was the exact same. So he'd done undergraduate to master's to PhD and it did make me feel instantly better um, because I did feel like it wasn't like I shouldn't have done that. I felt like I should have had a year out. Um, So it did make me feel better knowing that someone else had done that. And then he's been, well, very, very successful since. So, Hmm. yeah. I can only hope to follow in his footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is a really nice, it's a nice journey, I think, to hear about. And I think it's, the, the linearity, I think, makes it very relatable, um, if I'm honest. I think just, just because, like, it it, it, it makes sense, logically. Mm. You haven't, like, meandered, per se. 
Yeah. When, and either route's fine, but it's interesting to hear mm. isn't it, in that fashion. So yeah. that's the journey. Here we are. Mm-hmm. What are we doing mm-hmm. now? Let's talk about your research. Like, as I say, there are, we could pull on threads on this for days because game yes. studies, right? Uh, obviously, yeah. you're familiar with all the other excellent game study scholars that we've had on the show. Um, you know, let's, you know, we, I mean, I can flex about me introducing you to big people, big names, you know, later on. We'll get people to that I cite <laughs> in every paragraph that I make. <laughs> Um, but, um, so what are you actually doing? Let's talk about your research. You Obviously, PhDs are typically made up of two to three studies. Yes, um, yeah. You, what are you working on right now? What is work okay. where is it at? And tell us about that study. So I'm currently finishing off at the end of my first study. Um, but for a general overview, um, I'll try not to be too wishy-washy. But um, I say I'm kind of settled in video games, which I am but in the sense that I'm looking at this idea of a gamer and see Dr. Rachel Coat for anything you need to know about that. Um, But yeah, this idea... Also previous guest on the show. Also previous This is just full of shout outs. Um, But this idea of being a gamer, so not necessarily video games themselves, um, but the kind of community and this identity of being within the video game sphere. Well, what um, does it mean to be someone who plays games? These people typically yeah, call themselves um, gamer, right? Yeah, what does it mean to be a gamer? Um, but specifically for people who identify as female, um, because I'm looking at what does gender identity or if does gender identity does players gender identity have anything any sort of relationship anything at all to do with this identity of being a gamer and we could go on around about it for ages but we all know that there's a stereotype out there of who is a gamer um and it isn't someone who identifies as female um but there are female players who do identify as gamers and do use that label. I know you have strong opinions on that label, um, but whether you think we should use it or not, it's out there um, and it is a term that people use. So I'm very much interested to see, um, you know, the female players that do say, I am a gamer. What does that mean for them? Um, so what does that look like? What are their behaviours? What are their feelings? What are their thoughts? All these fun things. It's a really interesting, like, if we just look at this, like, sector for a moment it's really interesting i think to consider like who plays games because we know there are numerous statistics that say it's actually a pretty even gender split Uh, everyone again it it typically sort of is binary like whether you know which we can say is a bit poopy but stats are at least five years behind life Uh um at least um but like it operating in the binary it tends to be it's actually 50 50 it it has a heavily gendered skew i think in image but it's pretty equal oh yeah um that we can fact spit and fact yeah okay. gamer yeah. itself i i have opinions i've said this before on the show mm-hmm. i think it, it is loaded with negative stigma um uh-huh. also as well i'm sure you'll have seen it but we'll just we'll just might drop it for the sake of like dr rachel coates currently doing a study um that looks at gamer identity and dark participation and what yeah. and the links between identity which i believe we also actually had a conversation about in a restaurant uh, in liverpool we did. Uh, way back way back when we'll we'll, we'll circle we back on that later but um, <laughs> it's it's a really interesting like intersection because I think oh, yeah. for so long we focused on like well what does games do we haven't thought about who yeah. plays the games yeah. if that makes sense and like mm-hmm. if you think about any construct it's not necessarily what mm-hmm. is taking place but who is doing it that is important mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. I, I you you don't have to disclose if you've done this if I am happy to say I have and one of the last mm-hmm. questions is like something along the lines of would you give your life for the gaming community. 
And I sat there for like five minutes and went, I kind of already have. That's what doing your PhD <laughs> in games means. I've, I, I already have. I don't I'm know. I'm already how, there. How, how do I tick this on a five point Likert scale? <laughs> like, I'm two years deep, friend. Like, yeah, like, like I'm too far gone. Go on without me. Like, like how, like where? Bring the bat on. Yeah, like it. It was a really difficult button to click. So I was like, yeah. In terms of what it's asking me, no. Yeah. But in terms of like, have I devoted most of my, if not all of my career, to gaming at this point? So yes. much so that I'm so far in, I couldn't really change. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, gaming. It's it's a wild west. To say the least. It's it's a crazy place. It's a crazy place. And I again I'm by no means an expert in games, don't get me wrong. I play a particular type of game. Um I've not played all kind of maybe the again, I hate the stereotype, but the core games that people might see as someone that's interested in games. Um but maybe this is where my interest comes from because to me that and I think to a lot of people actually that we know of that look into this area and a lot of the people in who do play games actually it doesn't matter what you play it doesn't matter how you play it if you love games then you love games and that's kind of full stop end it there I just think that sometimes the loudest voices in the room are the ones that we don't want to listen to and they're the ones that get you know kind of give the bad rep to the community when there's a lot of amazing people who I have spoken to that don't have those opinions philosophically speaking you can say that they're sort of making the noise uh, in order to compensate for something you know if I was going to be whimsical yeah yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Um, yeah, so, so... so we've got this research paradigm, really cool, ah. really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. That's like very loose overview, you'd say, just yeah. really generally. I, yeah, I, I think that's that's a loose overview. There's a lot more like it's very heavy theoretical base in the psychology realm. Um, I am very upfront with the fact that I do not expect this to make any like direct impacts I'm not looking to make an exact I'm not going to come out with this with we need to do this to make it better um I'm trying to do something that gives us a foundation for further research which and I think there's and I think a lot of people maybe don't pay enough respect to that because I feel like again parallel between us but like I feel like you you kind of maybe go in with these great noble intentions of I'd love to do something really impactful but yeah. then actually you go there is so little research, we kind of need to like light the fire of other people should look yeah. at this to help create change. Well, I think in a way this, um, I I don't want to ever say that there's not research in the loose area of female participation and female representation in games, because there is. There is loads. There is thousands. It's a massive area. But for me, like when I've been looking through it and kind of be- what became the basis of the research with the way it's gone is that there's so much um but things still happen and um, well let's not go on a rant about it but things that have happened with twitch streamers recently only show it um love it when twitch streamers just make my point for me um, <laughs> but um yeah I, I even though there's been so much that's been done there are still things that like I want to know more about um, and even if no one else finds it interesting I do so it's almost like taking a step back um to maybe hopefully probably not but even just for myself give a better foundation of where we move forward because like I said you can you can go into the debate of um should we even use the term gamer that is something that do we even use it anymore um and I get that argument and I agree with points in the argument absolutely 
but it's there and it's you used. can't you can't argue that it's being used yeah and same with um same with as much as i'd love to do a piece of research that would stop any sort of hostility from ever happening to anyone in the gaming community i am never going to be able to do that um and it unfortunately people do exist out there who will behave in a certain manner and i'm not going to be able to stop that but hopefully eventually at some point i would like to have done something that makes it so that people who are then receiving hostile behaviors are more secure in themselves in that it won't maybe potentially have as many impacts but that's not what i'm doing currently and i'm not going to get out that out of what i'm doing currently that's 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 a few years down the 10-year plan yeah that's 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 a working towards so it's very much I'm not making direct impacts. I'm doing things that are more theoretical, which I think then, again, you can go into it loads, but I'd rather stick to the loose base of what does it mean to be a gamer? I think that is better understood and I'd rather it should be accessible for people to understand it. So this idea of what is a gamer? Why do you identify as gamer? As a gamer, what was your journey? If there was a journey, kind of like we've just spoke about my higher education journey, did you have a journey of identifying as a gamer? Um, that's what this first study has been has been looking at. And um, <clears throat> this is an award award winning uh, topic presentation <laughs> in terms of um, I forget the exact word, but of like a a work in progress. Work in progress. Yes, that's the phrase. Uh, was, at, the, yes. at the BPS Cyberpsych Section Conference in 2022. I don't know how I swindled that. I think I just charmed people into voting for me. I think the quality of the work stood on its own. Maybe. We'll we'll go with that, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's not finished yet. Hopefully very, very soon. Um, But because I'm using interviews um, and I've got amazing data from, from the people that I've interviewed, like I couldn't have asked for it better participants genuinely um not only did they give give me amazing game recommendations <laughs> um, but just generally their, like experiences and thoughts all of them um were I, I just I I I always have this conversation with Linda of I don't want to let them down um and I don't want to let their data down so I think um I've been delaying myself maybe a little bit I'm a a bit protective over what I've done um because I don't want to put anything out there and it be wishy-washy which as a kind of newbie to qualitative research which is funny considering both of my two studies out of three are qualitative um but as a newbie I think that's the worry because you get better with time and practice and I've got such good kind of data and such amazing things that my participants have said that I don't want to let them down Mm -hmm. with now so I'm in a way I'm stuck in a perfectionist bubble and the perfectionist <laughs> procrastination pipeline is real um but I've got Linda and I have Andy um who have amazing insights on how to handle this so I'm hoping that it will kind of go well and it will be I will be able to kind of give them as good a rep- representation as what they gave to me um I just want to do it justice really because they are the, like the stories and stuff are just incredible so I'm really hoping it does go somewhere but We'll see. And uh, as we, we typically sort of segue from work to not work, but I feel like a really good way of yes. doing that is if if you wouldn't mind indulging me, you're talking about the journeys of sort of you know engaging with games. What what's your yeah. journey with that? Like when did you start playing? What what made you pick it up? Like if you'd be willing to share. So I think which is also really interesting with what I'm doing, um, because I'm looking at 
this idea of being a gamer and also like gender. I mean, um, are you a gamer? Good question. I'm going to come to that. Um, <laughs> super, been very reflective. Um, and I am, I would be silly to say it hasn't made me think about myself. Um, but I started, I, I started playing games as, when I was a kid. Um, I don't know who kind of didn't really. A lot of people, obviously, that is when you first get introduced. Um, it was the Game Boy, I can't remember which one, but it was my sister's. I'm not, I've not got the vintage ones you have, Chris. I can't claim to have that. Um, I had a Game Boy. Um, it was my sister's. I stole it. Um, and then I think I had every DS that came out. Pink one, burgundy one, the 3D one, um, Nintendogs. Yes, oh, absolutely. Every day of the week. Um, all of the Nintendo games was obsessed. Um, then swiftly the Wii was very much in the you know the 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 Nintendo pipeline of course but I think that's when I that, as I was growing up I think that was a popular thing anyway so I think it was just the media at the time and um, but the Wii all of the Wii games that I then played I was obsessed with I would always do um on my sister's like profile on Mario Kart I would play so she could unlock I would unlock the different ones for her because she couldn't and she made me do it and I was obsessed with um, a couple of different games. We've had this conversation. I found a petition for it. I have signed it. Bring back the My Sims Detective on the, <laughs> from the way. Bring it on Switch. 100%. That was an amazing game. I don't know how many times I replayed that. I wouldn't argue that it has a replayability factor, but I did. Um, a couple, loads of different games. I would play them every time that my family came around, but then I'd also just sit there and play them. And then I... I don't play it anymore. I don't agree with the structure of the organisation, but The Sims, me and The Sims, was uh, I should not have played The Sims that much. Um, my Mac does not thank me for it. I did not pick the best option of how to play The Sims. Um, I'm surprised it's still alive, to be honest, that I played The Sims on it that much. And I spent far too much money on The Sims. I'm ashamed to say it, especially now considering some of them are free. I spent money on those. <laughs> I could have had saved so much money, but I spent so much money on Sims. I was absolutely obsessed. If you're um, gonna, if you're gonna put that down to pipeline, or that type of money has now helped uh, give some of the really good uh, sort of your know, gender-related and sort of disability-related uh, customizable options on Sims Four. Yeah, true. So you know, okay, you helped okay. fund the stuff that we've got now. So you know, yeah, a I'll bit take of, that. A little bit of causation. At least one good thing came out of my obsession, then. Um, but yeah. But until that, so I think in terms of like gamer um, and being in the community, I never saw that as me being a gamer. Like I never saw, and but I spent like a significant amount of time playing games, but because I did other things as well. So I used to dance, um, I used to play volleyball. Wait, wait hold on. You mean you're trying to tell me that you're a complex individual that does multiple things that you enjoy and aren't going to define yourself by one of your hobbies only? Whoa. I know, it's crazy. Get out of town. <laughs> humanity what is going on uh, but I think generally because of that like I didn't then see that as a as a I don't know what the word is I'm looking for but I didn't see it as like I just saw it as something I did like I didn't see it as something that actually mattered to me when I genuinely did spend a significant amount of time on that you can just um, enjoy doing something because you enjoy it yeah exactly I, I never would have used it as a way of introducing myself um it was dance or it was drama or it was karate it was never oh I like it was never that I, that was never at the forefront of my brain it's just something I'd always done um which again was kind of where my reflections come from now 
that I so I never played um unless it was like an in-person game I never really played um like community games with other players online I'm very much a single player so I was never exposed to like playing a game where there's other people in like the um like a co-op and I'm experiencing with other people with the headsets and things like that so I never had that experience it was always just me in my own isolated bubble um in a way so I don't know whether that kind of affected my exposure in a way to feeling like I was part of the community but it was just something I did and then I, I mean this might this might blow your socks away a little bit but you know back in my day all games were single player we 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 wi-fi multiplayer was awful gosh you had to have the bluetooth dongle to plug into your computer to get your ds just to trade pokemons like we didn't have did multiplayer multiplayer I, was either playing the very... game simultaneously with your friend in the same room and having the setup for that or well, games playing the same well point of the games I, and then coming together to talk about it. Well, my games are very well rounded. Okay, I had options. <laughs> I just didn't. I just didn't go into them. Um, but yeah, maybe that's why I never really like had was friends with people that like me. Well, maybe they did, but I didn't know about it. Like me and my friends never had conversations about games ever, um, ever. Um, so then I obviously picked Tetris for my undergraduate and throughout university the sims um i was absolutely obsessed for like three years i mean all of my undergraduate that's all i did in my spare time um play sims do assignments hang out with my friends like that was my hobby um then sat in my master's didn't have time things like that and then i kind of got into this realm with having these discussions with linda of the digital gaming domain and these things that pop up and I'd known about them um because I don't live in an isolated bubble in the sense that I am part of society so I knew that <laughs> thanks for thanks things. for clarifying that for listeners um you know I've seen the stereotype of what is a gamer I think everyone has um I I, I knew of that I knew of the things that people experienced as females in the gaming domain but I definitely wasn't in depth as I am now and I definitely never like actually looked into definitions and measurements and tools and these conversations that have been being you know for ages actually that these conversations have been had between researchers of what is this who are these people um like who are gamers what is this community um so then I kind of went down that pipeline and that rabbit hole so then since researching it and looking into it um I I'm in two minds about it I am hesitant I still think I deal with the fact that like I've said I'm not central I've not played all the core games I don't like Dark Souls I don't like the stereotypical games that people play I don't really play multiplayer games I'm very much in my own bubble of what I play um you mean you don't play COD Zombies get out I I know sorry um but I spend and I don't think even time um, should be something that we measure it based off so I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here but I do spend a significant amount of time with games and I have and I think then me going down this pipeline of looking into the research has made me go maybe I should say I'm a gamer just to spite the people that would say I'm not <laughs> um, not to not to I, again I know with we, the conversations have been negative and it's very loaded um but I think the stubborn part of me says I'm a gamer because you say that I'm not mm. um so in a way in that sense yes like yeah 
Like okay. I, I don't care what people's opinions on the games are that I play um, and how I play and things like that. I think if, if I want to be and I then I am because this is something that I I mean, we research it at this point. I think for me to say I'm not when I kind of have these opinions and particularly when I'm so against that stereotype. I am very keen that we have people who push those negative voices out of the way, um, which I think you might start to see with the with the labels that have come in since of hardcore gamer. Mm. I think because that many people now do say, no, I am a gamer, um, that the people that then had that attitude of you're not a gamer have now tried to then capitalise on hardcore gamer. Well, you get so this with a shift, think... though, right, of, like, well, everyone plays a game because, yes. you know, yeah. moms were playing Farmville on Facebook Candy like, Crush. for years. Candy Crush, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I know I know. famously your mum is your go-to example of having mastered yes. Candy, Crush, Candy Crush, right? So, like, but, like, your, my, our mums wouldn't necessarily identify as gamers, but they play games. Yeah. So, like, there is this disparate nature of, like, well, if a gamer is someone who's played games, it's much more broad. And therefore, oh, yeah. there is like a need to appropriate this level of gatekeeping, is what it is basically. Yeah. I am a superior level gamer yeah. for reasons. I, I think we have that in the stuff that Rachel Coates done in the sense of player versus gamer. Like, in my opinion, opinion, um, a gamer shouldn't capitalize the group because, as you said, almost everyone plays video games now. Um, but Again, kind of relating to back to where I was when, even though I invested a lot of time in video games and did that, that I didn't realise it was a central part of my life until now. And it's taken that reflection. But if I would have never realised that and I would have never looked into that, then I would have never classified myself as a gamer. But that doesn't mean that I then I'm not a player because I have played games Um and I engage with games and I have the consoles and I enjoy different types of games. Um, and I like watching YouTubers play games. That was a big part of it as well, was I watched a lot of games that I either didn't want to play, but found really interesting um, or didn't have kind of the a- access to because of whatever console I had um, or money. I watched a lot of games and that also led me into knowing about games more and knowing about people who play games. So I think it was my own personal kind of journey of, yes, I am. Um, And again, in stubbornness of reading and the things that people like to, I say people, but it's a very small group of people. Um, But as we said, you know, it's people really don't have this attitude, not the people I speak to anyway. Mm -hmm. They're very much about games being for everyone um, and anyone should be able to play anything they want. But, you know, that small group of people, I think I do it out of stubbornness. So again, um, I think I, I think we could easily do like another episode just on you and your hobbies because you do an awful lot of really cool, cool, cool and fun stuff. Fun stuff? Not anymore. That, that sounds too close to a swear word. We're not going to make that anything. <laughs> cool and fun. Different words, everyone. <laughs> words. Um, but just so just like to round this off, though, like what are you playing currently? What do you like to play? What do you What do you go okay, to? Okay. Um, I again, I think it's a loaded term. Um, but I'm a very much a cozy gamer. Um. people don't really like that term I am a bit again that's another episode but um I very much like those cozy farming games um so it's basic but come on Animal Crossing I'm sorry everyone likes Animal Crossing I don't care I've been sipping a Starbucks this entire time for the people who are listening um I am basic okay I Leave me alone with my Animal Crossing. Hold on, yeah, um, I'm basic here with my Starbucks and Animal Crossing and, like, you know, yeah. working towards my PhD with my 10-year plan. Yeah, so basic. Yes, I am basic. Uh, but animal, I love Animal Crossing. Um, 
I love Nintendogs. I love all the My Sims games. I do like Sims because of the design element. Um, it makes me feel like an interior designer. Yes, I designed my uni room when I used to play that. I don't play it as much anymore, um, but I love games like that. Uh, Cozy Grove, I've recently been playing. Obviously, Pokemon, always Pokemon. Um, I can't not play Pokemon. We know that we've had many conversations about that. Eevee Tattoo, yet to be, yet to be had. Um, I've also recently played It Takes Two with my partner. Um, thank you to my participants for that recommendation. Slightly traumatised by, spoiler, but the, the elephant, but also... Say, say, say no more, but like that. Okay, traumatised, yeah. Yeah, so much fun. Um, looking into more games like that now. Um, also started playing Cyberpunk. Thanks for that recommendation. Um, awful at certain aspects of it because I've never properly properly played like a shooting game before but I really like the story um enjoying that League of Enthusiastic Losers I've got that on my list um to to play as well it's in there it's downloaded Spirit Fairer if I've not mentioned that even though we've had conversations about the accessibility um which upsets me a little bit but it it is a very good game so it's a bit annoying that so for, for for listeners context like I I enthusiastically booted up Spirit Fairer one evening playing my Switch yeah. in handheld mode, and then could not read any of the text. And there were, at the time uh, of playing, no way to increase yeah. the text size at all. I don't know if there is now. I don't know if there sorted. is now. Yeah, I have to, yeah. Maybe add a comment in later on, like, if there is now, because I don't want to kind of suck them off and say it's it not. it kind but... of, like, it says a lot that, when, rightly or wrongly, that maybe put the game down, and I didn't pick it back up. Yeah. Because there is an well, oversaturation think... of games, right? There's, not, there's too many games, not enough time. Right. Yeah, so that's as, as good as I know it is objectively, and I know that it's the type of game that I would like and the type of game that yeah. I enjoy, I'm basically gonna have to play it on a big screen. And just that that moment of feeling sad that made me yeah. feel like the game wasn't for me was just enough for me to not go back to it. Which is awful because I think it's a it it was an amazing game to play. Like I just I I, I adored it and the and the storylines and it might not some people they might find it a little bit boring um but I I thoroughly enjoyed it and even the the the, the play was just as good as the story for me which links to your work <laughs> but the, the play was just as good as the narrative for me um and it gave me everything that I was after and I was very happy with that and that's an ideal game for me um. Also, Kinder Words, which is a mobile game, but I found that on Twitter. I don't, it, it's a mobile game. Um, it's not like a traditional game in the sense of you want, it's, it's a standard mobile game. I would say you go on it once a day, um, you do something and then you come off it. But um, the message behind that and the things that they're doing, um, I'm really enjoying that. Kind of, is that, is that the one where you send the letters? Yeah, when you kind have like words, plants yeah, yeah. Um, and you can like track your emotions. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that game um but again it's only kind of a once a day thing so i'm using it more as a like a reflection process a rather than tool. yeah not a game it's a it's a tool so you know what you also want to get on because i'm just gonna i'm gonna like again be self-insular in the, in, uh, the show but uh i streamed most recently uh islands and trains and oh. it's a sandbox where you build an island and you build trains and I spent four hours of the happiest I've been in a long time just building a happy I'm... little island, putting a little train on it, and making it go choo-choo. It was Give great. me an island, and I'm, I'm, I'm automatically intrigued by that game. But also, trains. 
I'll tell you what though, I've actually been, um, I've not played Animal Crossing for ages um, and I think this is so interesting that I, so I see Animal Crossing as a cosy game because I played it, I played it when I was younger on the original Nintendo when you used to get shouted at by, um, if you didn't save your game. Ah, uh, Mr. Yes, I, like that was terrifying, that's, that's my throwback, so in COVID especially, I think for everyone though, that was such a good experience to have that game, it was the nostalgia that we all needed. But I stopped playing it and then branched out into other things, which I think is good. But I stopped playing it and branched out into other things because TikTok, I love you, but I'm blaming TikTok. Um, I love the cosy gaming community. I have so many videos saved of recommendations. But I was so overwhelmed with the Animal Crossing community of how beautiful people's islands were that I then had imposter syndrome about my island not being good enough. So I restarted, I don't know. So to the point where it should have been relaxing and then I made it into something where it wasn't relaxing anymore because I was so stressed about it being perfect, even though I am the only person that will ever see, well, I mean, you've seen it, but I'm the only person that will ever see it. And I don't know why. I got really into the Tell me you're a PhD student without telling me you're a PhD student. I'm so terrified my island isn't perfect. People had perfect islands, and I was like, how are you doing this? And I spent so much time saying, and I was like, but now it's not original, I need my own island. And I was like, I'm just giving up. It's not fun anymore. Whereas mine was, get the island how I wanted it, achieve the five-star rating, done. Off. 100 hours, smashed it. And I was like... Well, I downloaded the app to go to other people's islands to get money from them. So I was was impressed straddling like that and Final Fantasy 7 remake and just perfect oh, yes. exquisite experiences to go between just like bang bang like yeah action RPG that chilling different. island yes yes that was... so I've not played regardless of the really horrible global situation at the time for gamers that was a good spring <laughs> that, was that was good it was good but yeah um, that's what I've been playing recently though a bit of a, mi- bit of a mix but um yeah, mainly cozy, amazing thing, mainly things to relax because there's for me there's enough things going on in like the world where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stay over here in my island, like in my with my switch and my matching mat that's pink with my matching pink keyboard and my pink headphones, and I'm gonna stay in my world with my candles and my chill. And yeah, you can go play all the stressful games. I'm gonna stay over here in my little bubble and enjoy myself. Lovely. On the, and that note that I can inverse recommend Donkey Kong 64. Don't play that. It's terrible. <laughs> I used to always play the Donkey game at the Donkey Kong co-op. You know when they had Diddy Kong and Donkey Kong? I played that on the Wii so much. And I was so upset that like that wasn't... like it, you'd, If you were one character, you didn't really do as much, which is why I loved It Takes Two so much, because it really was like equal, which I found amazing. I think, like, you know, I've been, I mean, I've been playing co-op games with a friend for, like, a long time. So, like, there's a really good roster of, like, solid co-op experiences that are, like, yeah. truly built for co-op. And, like, I think It Takes Two did a great job of oh, yeah. bringing that, like, to everyone's, like, uh, yeah. coherence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, I you know, play. obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're a complex individual, as we noted. Um, so we can't possibly en- encompass everything that you do. But I feel like you've given a good idea of, like, what you do in work, what you do in your outer work. I think that's quite nice, quite uh, quite nice meshing. So, as we sort of round down to the last few of the scripted questions, 
I always like to throw some fun questions at you. Oh, and gosh. the first one is, uh, you're a researcher, so you don't have to limit it to research, but typically researchers uh-huh. do. But blue sky mm-hmm. question, you have unlimited access to resources, like people, experience, software, money, oh. uh, real estate, oh. whatever you need, right? What are okay. you going to do with it? A project or a, a organization or what? Like, what, what would you do? Okay, so a few things. Um, I'm actually going to go, it's not really research related, but I'm going to highlight two things before I, I think this will link back to something I said before about my master's. So I'm going to save that for a second. But uh-huh. two things I would do first with all the money that I would have is I would fund the projects that are not being funded um, because I think, well, I'll put the papers out there that aren't being given the money to people out there because there's so much interesting stuff that isn't being put out there that should be. People who will probably do a lot more interesting things than I'm doing, fund it. There we go. That's some of it gone that way. Um, The second thing I would do, which might be a thing, right? If it is, I've not heard of it. Please introduce it to me. I want a journal, and I've always wanted to do this. I want a journal called The File Drawer. Because from undergraduate, we always I used to get told about the file draw and the fact that papers that get non-significant results are very rarely published. So maybe I wouldn't call it the file draw. I'd yeah, the journal of uh, non-significant results. Yeah, yeah. Is that a thing? If not, I'm making that. I'm funding that. So I don't believe it is a thing, but that is a thing I'm sure many people would be on board with you to make. How? I just think, even if, I mean, I'm... There's a thing, there's so many non-significant findings. Maybe I'm being biased because my dissertation was insignificant, not significant. <laughs> this is you my mean bias. You wasn't good enough, that's all it is. The first paper to be put in there is mine. <laughs> it doesn't matter how terrible or whatever it was, it's going out there. Uh, but I think, one, it'd be funny to have it be called the file drawer or the insignificance or something like that. Um, but I think there's so much out there that won't have been put out there because it's not significant. And then it's a direct kind of, well, that person said it's significant, well, this one said it isn't, and it's right there in that journal. So that is what I would do. I would start a journal. There you go. Um, there you it's go. not really research. I do that. Um, in terms of actual research, we've had this conversation, so you'll this will ring bells for you. Um, but I definitely want to go into... I mean, there's lots of gaming things that I would look at, um, but a lot of people that would probably do other things that could be more interesting than what I would do so in the realm of going back to STEM um, and female representation but also imposter syndrome which has kind of popped up a few times and we've had a lot of conversations about this um, I would look into I know some people call it imposter phenomenon now oh. I can't say that word so I'm going to stick with syndrome <laughs> because I can't say that word um, but the workshop from the paper that I found that they looked at kind of struggling with imposter syndrome and working through it and that they did with nurses I can't remember the paper now to be honest um but the paper where they had like an imposter syndrome workshop with nurses I so want to see if that could be implemented um in STEM in all forms of STEM subjects for students for leaders for staff um but then also for PhD students um and for people in the gaming community you said it would be perfect there for kind of streamers that maybe don't get the views that they deserve um and are still kind of going on because it's something that they're passionate about and because it's hard to kind of get into that i give props to anyone that does it because i wouldn't be able to but just pushing (laughs) shout out out to chris go and watch chris's (laughs) stream (laughs) 
the plug um, by his merch, guys. But no, I think, I, I, I don't know whether it would work. So they definitely have to do research into it first. But we all speak about imposter syndrome. And I think there are things out there for kind of like tackling it. Um, but I think some, for me, I would find a workshop that gave me tools and gave me access to tools to utilize every day. And um, I would find that very helpful. So maybe again, my own bias in that I want to do research for something that would I would benefit from. Um, I think <laughs> that right. is... so research nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be very well implemented. Um, but not even just for um, kind of like female students. Um, there's a lot of other people that I think could really. Um, benefit from that being implemented um, but that costs money and again you'd have to have the research to back it up first but I'd love that to be replicated with other areas and subjects and then see if that is something that's worth putting in there because um, I think that that's a big thing that everyone deals with so I, I love that like it's framed in the context of not just research to confirm everyone has imposter syndrome because we know that we do but oh, we like, know, yeah, how can just... we help sort it like that that's the real emphasis <laughs> I think I get I, I don't I think it's something you're always going to struggle with um but I think if there's something that can be implemented to help people tackle with it because we have a very I think we have a very supportive community in the PGR department at Edge Hill um with the psychology with our like psychology friends um with psychology our friends. Team, um who are constantly hyping each other up um and constantly being there to support each other and slapping each other on the back and congratulating each other and we are each other's own personal hype people um but I think if you don't have that community um we know that the PhD can be isolating anyway um so especially for PhD students I think something like that would be amazing um but that's just my bias it's probably other stuff comes out this really wonderful speech and like idea of like really wonderful support networks but that's just me being biased. Okay. That's just my money. That's how I'm spending it. So <laughs> other people can spend it differently. Uh, one of my other favourite, I think, questions on the show um, is, is there anyone that like, you've mentioned or like, or maybe even you haven't, because you have mentioned a few names, but like, that you'd like to give like a shout out to? Because I think when we talk about like what we're doing and how we got there, like there are always really important people that, are, that have impacted that road. Uh, so anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to again you know we you've you've rubbed shoulders with the greats you know dr linda k dr rachel Cohen, you know you've 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 uh you've uh, been engaged to some celebrity uh and no small part thanks to your boy over here i'm joking i'm being yeah. facetious um, <laughs> he's not wrong though <laughs> but uh you know like any, anyone with you my with my you help with my fear of speaking to people by just forcing me to speak to them. So I very much thank that. Uh, my anxiety thanks you for doing it for me because otherwise I would sit quietly in a corner, uh, which is ironic because anyone that has actually spoken to me knows I am the loudest person in the room, but not if I don't know you. Because so, so pro tip, pro tip for your friends if they're ever a bit awkward with that. Best way to get them to speak to people you want them to speak to is just take them for dinner. Just go yeah. out for food and they're like, Especially if the it, like it's that British thing of well we're at the dinner table I can't possibly just sit in silence that would be rude. No, it's true. It's true. Also bring cake. Bring cake. Yeah, bring cake. Also cake. Um, uh, really like really, you know, enhances most situations. Yes. 
Um, in terms of, I'm going to do a shout out for the people for the journey, um, because there's too many researchers I could name. Um, so I'm going to go for the people that helped me where I am today. Um, so we will try to limit to guilt, either a collective or a singular person. Okay, yeah. well, um, oh, Nikki Dean Marshall for telling me to why don't you do a PhD because that was a turning point. But I've told her that in person at CyberPsych, so she knows that. Um, but not to harp on or rub, you know, try and influence because she is our DOS, but genuinely Linda. Um, I think one of the things I saw was the best advice you could, I, I saw someone say about the best advice for a PhD is pick a supervisor um, that you work with well, um, because it doesn't matter how great you are. If you don't have a supervisor that works well for your kind of style of work or learning or is supportive, then you're going to find it incredibly difficult. And Linda is my perfect supervisor um she every time I feel like I'm nope not good enough like in a procrastination zone me over Christmas I don't want to I feel like I'm it's just the absolute imposter syndrome of it all um Linda is her feedback is just so amazing um and not in a way that she tells me I'm amazing she gives me very constructive feedback that I need um but she is always there to remind me that I'm doing well um and I think you need someone like that on side to get you through it because if you don't I don't know how I would have done it without that kind of support probably wouldn't be where I am now I probably would have been very tempted to not continue um but her support is a constant kind of and yours as well Chris to be honest um <laughs> well I'm not you have many a quotes when I mean you literally did it at the start but I can always count on you to hype me up maybe too much sometimes that I feel like you set expectations that are way too high the limit doesn't um, exist it's fine the limit does not exist you can't you can't be hyped enough yeah yeah I yeah a lot of people but we're not got time so you and Linda my cyber crew we've got to shout it out we're taking over and chill true true story true story okay that's excellent is there anything because I, I, like, I like to do a little fun little fun section at the end but is there anything else that you sort of like want to give like a shout out to obviously we're recording this a month ahead of time it's gonna go out in march mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. that like coming up that you want to give people like a, a nod to a direction to like you're gonna you're hoping to be at any conferences this year or anything if there's a cyber site conference i will be there i don't know whether i'll present or what but i will definitely be there um i mean i don't, I don't believe happens. at the time of recording they know where it is at the moment but the will there is hoping to be one at some point somewhere if it happens i will be there um par that um hopefully fingers crossed it might get rejected if it does it does but hopefully i've got a critical review um which will show some of the stuff i've been doing that i worked on with linda i really hope so because i spent time on it (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know what will happen with it um until then i'll keep you posted to to be decided we'll see what happens in the future not much but hopefully something soon all right well in the spirit of animal crossings and cozy games you oh, are going for a rest and relaxation break. Your biodome of your choice, because I don't, I don't, okay. I'm not going to choose the weather for people. Um, and you are going to take with you one film, one album, one book, and one video game. If it comes yeah. as a collection or as a box set and is sold as one physical item, you can take that. Um, okay. All the devices that you need to play it or use it will function limitlessly okay. with endless power etc because it's it's my magical question i'm gonna the rules are however i want them to be <laughs> um what are you taking with you okay 
Um, what was first? Well, you can do them in any order you want, but I think typically okay. like a f- um, film is first. Film or TV show? For a film, Little Women, the one with Florence Pugh, very recently, nice. every day of the week, Little Women. Um, for an album, very difficult. Um, I have to go with Phoebe Bridges. You knew it was coming. Uh, it has to be Phoebe Bridges. It was a close second to the Hamilton soundtrack, but it is Phoebe Bridges' Punisher. Um, my queen, we love her. Um, you know that. Book. Um, well, I think just just while we're there, though, it's worth pointing out that like you know we we could have done a whole other episode just on music. Oh, big, big I'm music fan. Absolutely, already. yeah. That is, yeah, we know that. I mean, we, um, have, we have legitimately spent hours discussing music, analysing music. Yeah. We've been to gigs together, like... I have some good gigs upcoming this year. I'm telling you now, I have a very good list of gigs coming up. Including Father John Misty, let's go. Amongst other things, amongst other things. <clears throat> Harry Styles. Um, Still waiting for that boy um, genius talk to get announced. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it will happen and manifest him. Um, a book, Song of Achilles. Um, I cry every single time, um, and I love a good cry. Um, if you can't tell by me picking Phoebe Bridges, <laughs> whoa, um, pick sad girl music, pick sad girl book. What? <laughs> she's more than just sad girl music, okay? She's more than that, she's complex. Uh, I'm using your um, own words. What's, what's the name of the playlist? Um, you're the main character, main character playlist, or something. I have many, <laughs> I have many. <laughs> Romanticize your life. <laughs> Too many playlists. Crying at a rainy window. <laughs> yeah, just driving in the rain, crying. <laughs> just too many. But um, and for a game, I want to say Animal Crossing because then I could design my island within Animal Crossing, and then I could emulate that on my island. You know, perfectionist. But I think I'd get bored, so I'd probably go with a Pokemon game because I don't think I can ever get bored of Pokemon. Um. Where where do you stand on Stardew Valley slash Harvest Moon slash Rune Factory? You know I you know I love Stardew Valley. I do love Stardew Valley. It's in my favourites, um, but I wouldn't pick it. I think I'd I take it in points. I'd get it'd get too much. Whereas I think with po- if I pick a Pokemon game, I'm not going to get bored. Um, I think I'll I'll be I'd, it's the replayability is endless. Do you know which Star- one you would take? I don't know which one I would take. Ooh, okay, that's a, it's a tough question. I'll tell you. Oh no, no, I don't. I don't want to pick which one I would take. But I would take a Pokemon game. Um, as long as it's got Eevee in it and enough variations of Eevee, I'll be happy. <laughs> Pokemon. That's my only. Let's route. go. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with those before I change my mind because I will change my mind, especially on music. But. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, so before we wrap up, I always like to invert the podcast and give you, the guest, the chance to ask me a question. Uh, I have Ooh. had the Desert Island one a few times, the What Are You Researching uh-huh. a couple of times, mm-hmm. the Blue Sky question a couple of times, I think, at this uh-huh. point. So anything that uh-huh. isn't those would be great. Um, but have you got any questions you'd like to ask me? So in the element of music because it is our main majority of our topic of conversation. Which is ironic um, given we both research games. But you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta have you gotta have um non work related time, recreational. Yes, exactly. Um and otherwise we'd just go off on rants. But because we have to stick with our Queen Phoebe Bridges, um what is your favourite Phoebe Bridges lyric? Lyric? Oh mate, wow Lyric. Wow. Not song. 
lyric, lyric. lyric line. Oh gosh. Line. That is a question. I'm gonna try and like not think about it too hard. Um You're not allowed to push it back on me either. No, I'm not gonna, I won't, I won't. Um <laughs> I think I was about to give one. I think it was better Obl- Oblivion Community Center actually, so I'm gonna veto okay. that myself in my own brain. Um so the one I was gonna pick then was it came as a shock to find that I was fine with what I've lost. Because um, ah. that's a that's a great lyric. Um but I think I like full for for the listeners' benefit, my hands are behind my head. I'm like actually like rotating on my chair. This is a an absolutely yeah, devilish question. Struggling. Like this is so <laughs> difficult. Um I, I'm probably gonna get the line wrong, but I'm, you'll know what I mean. And I, and I forget yeah, yeah, I actually yeah. forget what song it is, but it's the one where it's um you can say so much without knowing what you're talking about. Oh, um, it's talking about someone's mum. I hate like, mum. I hate yeah. it when you when she opens her mouth. Um, it's amazing to me how much you can say when you don't know what you're talking about. That's it. It's yes. the start of that line. I couldn't think it's amazing to me. Yes, yeah. But like that it's is amazing an, an exquisite line. How much you can say when you don't know? What you, I feel that every day. I mean, does, is that not much. like is that not like academia in a nutshell? <laughs> Oh, there's there's so many others that I would I could have I would have you could have picked to represent academia. That should have been my question. Pick a Phoebe Bridger song lyric that represents doing a PhD. But you kind of did that. I feel like both are still applicable. <laughs> both apply to that lyric. Yes, good choice. Very good choice. Because like that was like just off the top of my head like if, it if sticks I, yeah it sticks you in could there. do a deep dive and I could, I could send like an essay's worth of analysis oh yeah because I could do please, an essay but... oh yeah that's for that's for other people to listen to and go down that journey i've i've introduced a couple people now who have spiraled in the journey of phoebe bridges and i think once you're in there it's a rabbit hole it's a rabbit hole i've i've said this before but i think like just the the artistic notion of the music Combined with like the the lyrical oh, yeah. and musical composition, combined it's... with the vocals, is just beyond beyond doubt exquisite. Well, you said it yourself. Potential, our generation's Bob Dylan. Pot- so, uh, that's yeah, a big claim. So, so I would so I would go so far as to say if if on a, because because Bob Dylan was prolific. That was one of the things. Oh yeah, album after album. But if yes. Phoebe Bridges can maintain like. A, f- a good frequency of albums that are the quality at which she produces and to be fair i'd include the boy genius stuff within that because that's also very oh, high yeah. quality and like, even the stuff she's done at her building community center yeah like, like like the potential is there and oh, I, really, yeah. I would go as far as say i think she could be our generation's bob dylan one of my favorite songs um of phoebe bridges and i never include it because i think it's a cop-out to pick a song that like isn't like from one of her albums but is the gold that she did with the manchester um, orchestra that song is honestly I, I, it's probably my top five of favorite songs ever um and i don't the, the gold is just so outstanding that i'm yes i just even I have like no words. even like the minion no soundtrack like goodbye oh, to love even like the minion song, song. not me crying to the minions f- film because of phoebe bridges like what well i mean yeah. the metallica I think, I mean, cover of nothing else matters like wow wow yeah wow i mean i am i'm now a child of divorce because her and paul have have ended their engagement so i'm shook 
However, I can't say I'm not excited for the album that's about to come out because of this. Um, <laughs> it will be outstanding. It will be abs- anyone anyone in the fan base knows what I'm feeling currently, um, but it will be an outstanding album. Um, I am very excited when it comes out eventually. Another song, another song of Phoebe's that is slapped on. It is better Oblivion, but uh, Little Trouble, like yes. I think it was like a single, very, like that very, is very good. Yeah. oh, very good. I think a lot, I've not been really disappointed with any collab she's done. Every collab she's done with all of her artists. She did one with Marcus Mumford as well, and so good. I do honestly Uh, think, I honestly think that, like, you, it's one of those, Phoebe Bridges is one of those artists, though, that you listen to, and, like, there there are no skips. Every song is of a legitimately high quality. Like, you might, like, want a certain one more than, like, another, Mm -hmm. right? Like, because, you know... Um, they're all great, but like yeah. motion sickness is just a ten of ten banger. You could, you know. What I mean? Oh yeah. But like, but I, I gave Irma. So good. I gave Irma, which for context of viewers listening is another GTA at the psychology department in Edgehill. Uh, but I gave her three moods of Phoebe Bridges. She read. She said she was ready to listen. I gave her three moods and said, pick a mood, and I will recommend. And now. She is in the rabbit hole and she said motion sickness specifically has been on repeat. And I said, just wait. That's only the start of the journey, my friend. It will, it will, you will keep going. Did you, did you present the moods in meme form? (laughs) No, but I should have. I said like mood one and then I gave keywords and then I said mood two. No surprise, every song, every mood had sad in it. Which she is not just a sad girl. You don't. You won't say that about Bob Dylan. Okay, she makes better music than that. But I couldn't. It was just in the way that I described them. But I gave them all descriptions. I am very proud of, and then gave recommendations. I think it's the overwhelming sense of a crushing existential despair yes. that comes through all of her songs, which is very yes. much the zeitgeist of life as humans yes. know it. <laughs> yeah. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Like uh, just. I just say sad because I can't say that every time, but that is the overwhelming sense of like the weight of the world that listening to Phoebe Bridges gives you. And it's so reflexive that I'm like, do I want to be feeling these things? Probably not, but I am anyway. Let's just listen <laughs> to sure it. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I'm going to keep doing it because I can't I'm going to listen to it every day on repeat and I don't know how it's going to affect my psyche, but here we are. <laughs> and on that, on that bombshell... <laughs> And that's we'll, how we end. We will write down the episode with the final question of where can people find you to find your uh, Phoebe Bridges recommendation lists, academic nonsense, and and slash or memes? Um, Twitter, unfortunately. I hate to say it, but it is Twitter. Um, yeah, I yeah, mean, you know, we'll, we'll keep pretending that it works for as long as it pretends to yes. work. Yes, until then. For now, I'm in denial, but it's Twitter. Yeah. Well, I, I've said Twitter's not long for this world on several episodes at this point, yeah. and it's still kicking, so let's just hope for the best. Still here. I think the only good thing about Twitter is the, the academic community. that I, Well, that I'm I'm part of anyway. The people that I follow and I have met on my feed is a very good community, and that's probably the only good thing about Twitter. Worst case, we'll just have to like, actually start using LinkedIn and just deal with yeah. it. I don't really want to do. No. It's a scary thing. No, we don't, but... There are anyway. scary people. Um, Beth, as ever, as I knew, an absolute delight to have on the show. Thank you for joining me. Um, Thank you for having me. It's been a delightful discussion. We've spoken for many an hour, for many a day. 
um, before, <laughs> but it was great to uh, give you the chance to launch yourself uh, on the podcast. Uh, hearing hearing <laughs> you in your own words, or being a muddled with layers of self-deprecation, uh, talk about your work and things. I said it at the top of the show. I'm going to say it again. Uh, the name Beth Thomas. You know, you're going to be seeing that a lot in the near future. I think uh, it's going to be going to be a household name. You'll look back on this as your first podcast interview uh, with with relish and delight. Hopefully. <laughs> um, any any other last words? Anything you want to just sort of say before we wrap up? Soon to be back when I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back anytime. Anytime. <laughs> we'll do a year on from episode. How <laughs> things change? Wait, we'll wait till you qualify so you can have the title in the in the show. Yes, just for that reason. Yeah, just for that reason. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you everyone for joining <laughs> us for this episode. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, this is episode three, so we're we're three yeah. months into the season. Uh, very yeah. exciting. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Do look out for all the links mentioned in the show below or wherever you find this episode to links to Beth's Twitter and such. Otherwise, take it easy and look after your mind, body and soul. For the people watching the video, we'll now click on the ending stream link or ending video link. There we go. Thank you for watching. Take it easy and bye-bye. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Psyched to be with you. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you did, do please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps. Uh, otherwise, check out the description of the episode for the links for the guest, but also uh, to keep up with information about the show and myself. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this listen. Uh, until next time, take it easy. Look after your mind, body, and soul. And I'll see you again for another episode very, very soon. Bye-bye.